Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Monday, April 10th. We are here live. It is a free-for-all. We have no guests. We have no theme. It's all up to you today. Pick up the phones. Phone lines are open right now. And join us. 855-950-3835. Phones are lighting up already. I'll get to those calls here in just a little bit. And a bunch of uh, just odds and ends I want to talk about. So I may uh, blow through a couple of these. Um, A lot of numbers about the industry. I don't know how much I want to talk about it today. There's a lot of news in trucking right now and rates. The problem is none of them are good. Um, Here's an interesting article. We're going to see a lot of this. And unless you're following trucking media of some sort, you're not going to see this kind of stuff in the news. But there is a statistic. I don't know why it never sticks with me because I've heard it for 20 plus years. I mean, as long as I've been in this industry and and watching freight and rates, I've heard this statistic, but I, for some reason, never remember what it is. The number of trucking companies that have less than 15 trucks, I think it's 90 some percent, or the statistic might be 90 some percent of the trucking freight is moved by trucks. But the statistic tells us that by far, the vast majority of trucking companies are small. And even when you look at the big companies and as big as they are, they don't move the majority of our freight in this country. The majority of the freight is moved by small trucking companies. Small trucking companies right now are in trouble. This may be the worst place to be in the industry right now unless you're really good at it. Um, you know, Fridays we we talk to Joel and it's we get some insight into, you know, a small to medium sized trucking company, 100 plus trucks and up. Those companies are going to struggle right now, too. They they can make it a little longer than these really small companies, these small companies, these 10, 15 truck companies they will drop fast. Here are some numbers. Actually, the numbers are kind of shocking. Now, keep in mind, we've been reviewing numbers from single truck owner operators the last year or so. Yeah, we have Matt, we do Matt's numbers a lot. Paul has shared some of his numbers. We've done it several times. And we are looking at in 2022, We were calling 2022 the best year really ever um, that I've ever seen. Matt was either right at or above $500,000 with the single truck, one driver. Paul was there too. Now, Matt runs a lot of miles. That helped, but his rates are excellent. Um, Paul has high dollar freight cars, but that's still what's possible out there. I mean, Matt isn't doing anything really specialized. He just works really hard and has good freight and good customers. But compare that numbers in the four to five hundred thousand dollar range for gross revenue. 
Matt's net revenue was over 200000 Now, here is a trucking company in Florida, filed for Chapter 11, um, they owe their drivers 55000 in back wages. I'm going to talk about that in a second. Um, eight tractors, nine drivers, hauls general freight, including beverages, paper products, and electronics. Now, what do we know about beverages and paper products? They're really heavy. They're really cheap. That That is backhaul freight. That's the kind of stuff I used to do a lot of paper and I used to bring a lot of paper back as a backhaul and it's always been heavy and cheap, big rolls, heavy and cheap. Same with beverages. We ship a lot of that stuff, but it moves really cheap and it's heavy. So if that is their primary freight, that's, that's kind of a problem right there. It's hard to build a business on low, low volume or not low volume, but low margin freight. And that's really low margin freight. That's the kind of stuff you fill in with. They, um, the petition states the company has up to 49 creditors. I was trying to think. I, I know a lot of companies that you deal with can be considered creditors, but I had 11 trucks at one time and I'm trying to figure out how you would end up with 49 creditors. That's a lot. You know, you might have your fuel card. You might have two or three shops that you've got an account with. You might have a parts house you have an account with. Uh, Your fuel card, you would have an account there. I get that. And those are big. But 49 individual creditors, I'm trying to figure out how that's even possible. It seems like an awful lot. So they're claiming... Uh, that the problem was it was a um, a decline in revenue due to COVID-19. I, that's a little odd to me. They're sure right now they're starting to feel a decline in revenue. I'm not sure we can blame it on COVID-19. It was the government's response. But it doesn't matter. That's the economy we're in. You just have to figure out how to deal with it. They, with eight tractors and nine drivers, they only managed to generate $2.3 million in 2022. Uh, if we go with the averages, <clears throat> that would have been well north of $4 million. If they would have been able to generate what most good owner operators would able to, were able to do, that is a really, really low amount of revenue. Now, this company went out... Well, oh, here's some numbers. I found another article that has a little more. um, The trucking company's Chapter 11 case management summary states that 10, oh boy, 10 1099 drivers are collectively owed nearly 55,000 in back wages and one W-2 employee is owed 3,500. Part of the problem here is piss poor reporting. Um, independent contractors, 1099 drivers cannot be due back wages. They're not paid wages. Wages are taxed as wages. This is poor reporting. Here's another big problem. Here's a trucking company, small, a somewhere I thought up here it said eight. Let me go back to that. 
uh, eight tractors and nine drivers, how then can we have 10 1099 drivers owed money? Another flaw in the reporting, but we'll look past that. But here's a problem. They're using independent contractors and they owe money on tractors. That's the next paragraph. That means that they're running this basically illegally. These guys aren't independent contractors. This is one of those companies that when freight is good, they start paying more on a 1099 because they're not dealing with taxes and social security and all the other crap, workers comp. And the minute things go south, these companies are toast. And that's what's happened. But now we have drivers. I did the math. Each driver's owed about $6,000. I got to tell you, most people I know, most drivers who are taking these types of jobs don't have $600 in their savings account. They can't handle a $6,000 hit like this. They will now file bankruptcy more than likely. This is how the domino effect happens. This is what takes down economies. The odd thing is we're still adding jobs to this economy. It's the whole stagflation thing. Here's some numbers on... Huh. All right. So I'm seeing that my my audio does not sound good. Oh, I see why. Um, There we go. That's a, that should sound much better. My phone keeps wanting to grab my Bluetooth. We're fixing that problem in our app. Um, thanks, Angie, by the way, for pointing that out to me. Uh, all right, where was I? Oh, yeah, let's get back to some numbers on what they owe. They owe $654,000 for six Freightliner tractors and one wash trailer. Uh, They owe $61,000 for a 2021 Ford F-150. They owe $50,000 on just some random bank loan. They owe $45,000 for another 2018 Freightliner box truck. They owe, boy, oh boy, oh boy, they owe the Small Business Administration $150,000. Yeah, there's an awful lot of people stuck holding the bag here. All of these companies are then affected by this bankruptcy. That means more bankruptcies follow. It's not good news. There's a lot of this going on. All right, um... Another article here, four trends driving demand for truck leasing. We're going to see a lot more leasing going on. I'm not going to go too deep into this. Mostly fleets that are doing this. If you're an owner operator, unless you can call me and tell me why you're leasing a truck, you just shouldn't be leasing a truck. Um, I'll just stay there right now. Um, Truckload capacity flips from unsustainably tight to unsustainably loose. The rejection rate falls to a three-year low. I've been talking about the rejection rate. This is a new metric. We've never watched this before. In fact, for the most part, FreightWaves kind of brought this to everybody's attention back in 2018. That was the first time we ever saw this index. 
Now, during the lockdowns, the tender rejection rate got down to like 2.6, I think. But that was very short, and that was right during the month that everything shut down. There was no freight moving anywhere, and then it bounced right back. Other than that one time since 2018, this is the lowest ever been. We're under three, and that's not good, and it happened really fast. This metric tells us about capacity, how well capacity is matching demand, and Right now, it looks really bad. And again, it flipped really fast. I don't know that I've ever seen a uh, a metric around freight flip as fast as this one did. What else do I have here? I have an interesting chocolate study. I'm wondering if I should hold that for Wednesday or not. Um, I may hold it. Talk about it on Wednesday. I'll just tell you what it was right now. Um, if you follow health news, I do. Recently, there was this article about how dark chocolate helped you lose weight. And when I read it, I thought it was a little wonky. I thought, well, there's some weird statistics in there. And then I kind of blew past it and didn't think much of it, mostly because I tend to ignore this kind of stuff. It's all over the place now. Usually it's a mess. I could probably go dig and figure out who did the study, who's getting paid, was the study done properly. So most of the time I just read these things and blow right by them anymore. And here's why. Turns out this study was completely phony. They did it on purpose and they did it to prove how easy it is to get the media to pick up these health stories. It was not peer-reviewed. It's not true at all. It's completely fake. Nothing about the story was real. And the papers, the, the mainstream media picked it up and spread it all over. And now people are running out and buying dark chocolate so it'll help them lose weight. <sighs> That's what we're dealing with in the health world. Like I said, I may or may not talk about it more in I probably won't. Honestly, I think I'm just going to scrap it right now. Why does it matter? You have to ignore this kind of stuff, and it's sad. It's sad. People want proof. I just, when it comes to health news anymore, I don't care about proof. That That's why right there. People go, oh, no, look, I have proof. Look at this article. Yeah, I know. There's articles like this every day. It's not proof of anything. Let's... Uh, Let's get to some phone calls. Let's get started today in Pennsylvania. Luke, welcome to the program. Good morning, Kevin. Hey, question on childhood vaccines like diphtheria and polio and that type of vaccine. What are your thoughts on that, and why do you have those thoughts? Interesting, because my thoughts have changed. For the most part, I was kind of brainwashed like the rest of us. You know, you. No, I have a mixed approach to this. If you're my age, I'll be 60 in a couple of weeks. We didn't get a lot of those vaccines that kids get. Now we got the diseases. I had all of them. I had measles. I had mumps. I had rubella. I had scarlet fever. I swear I got all of that crap. Scarlet fever I thought was going to kill me. It was about the worst I've ever felt in my life. I was hallucinating for two days. It was pretty rough. But you know what? I survived it all fine. But 
we we started taking those vaccines and nobody really talked about it. And, you know, we were of the mindset that if a doctor says you should do something, you should just do it. We treated doctors like God and we need to stop that. We need to really stop that. So I had probably the same attitude towards most childhood vaccines as the general population. No big deal. We take them. Nobody dies. You know, we don't seem to have those diseases anymore. So why why make a big deal out of it? Except my mind has now changed. If they thought that they were going to get us to keep taking more and more vaccines, I think they made a big mistake. I have heard more people now claim that they are true anti-vaxxers and they are proud of it. And I'm starting to put myself in that category. If I had a child today, I'm not sure that they would get any vaccines. When you start to look at the history, people say, oh, my God, we wiped out polio. Except if you actually go back and look, the numbers started decreasing in polio before we even had the vaccine. That happened in most of these things because humans have the ability to build natural immunity to almost all of this stuff. And we do. But then we just keep vaccinating. And when you look at the vaccination schedule now, it is disgusting what we are pumping into our kids. So if I had children today, I would I would be doing a lot more research and I would probably be making the decision that they wouldn't get any. They'd be homeschooled and they wouldn't get any. Okay, because my wife is a stay at home mom. She's homeschooling her oldest. We have three that are not school age yet. And the youngest one, she's not gotten a vaccine for them. And I was just wanting your take on it. And I'm more and more leaning towards no vaccines. Yeah, I just don't see the need anymore. I really don't. I don't know that there ever was a need. Maybe at one point with some of these diseases, it helped. But uh, I'm not convinced anymore, not convinced of what they've been telling us. And when you watch the the schedule of vaccines grow over the years and you watch the rates of autism go through the roof. And there's always been this talk that vaccines are increasing the rates of autism. And they've always said, hell no, that's stupid. You're wrong. You're a conspiracy theorist. I'm not so sure anymore. I do think there is something there. Right. And with as much BS as they fed us with the COVID vaccine, how much was BS before the COVID with the other vaccines that we just bought into? Correct. Absolutely. And this one was so bad that first off, it didn't work really at all. It worked for very short periods of time and then lost all effectiveness for the most part and seems to be causing a lot of harm. I think that's why this one isn't getting a pass. Enough people are looking at this and saying, hell no. The numbers are horrendous. The the WHO even has already said children should not be getting the COVID vaccine anymore. There are countries. I saw that. that. Yeah, the, there are countries. I think Switzerland or somebody has now dropped the vaccine completely. And that's exactly what should happen. The world should drop this. This was a mess. This was a disaster. It was a mistake. And it should be stopped immediately. Yes. Okay, well, that that just helps the minute in my mind. I think we're done getting vaccines for our kids. Yeah, yeah, I just, I, you know, I don't have to deal with it. I don't have children. But on that note, my son Michael called last night. Michael has the twins, and they have another one on the way. 
So congratulations to him. Yeah, it's it's exciting. And they are looking hard right now. They're trying to get the, the twins into private school. There's no way they want them in the school system. And if they don't, they may just homeschool. That's the only option left. We can't go to these government indoctrination centers. I agree. Small private schools. You know, one of the things that I thought was awesome during COVID, and I hope more people continue with it, they were doing these small group schools. You know, you get 10 or 15 parents together, and maybe you even have a teacher in there, somebody with teaching credentials, and you set up your own little school. I hope a whole lot more people start doing that. Yes, I do too. Okay, well, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Yeah, big, big, big changes going on. The public schools are losing students rapidly to private schools, small schools, homeschooling. I think it's an excellent trend, and I hope it continues. Let's let's go to Texas, Steve, and welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. So I had a couple things, and uh, one of them is about Instacart, and then uh, another thing you were just going over the numbers, people's numbers and stuff. And last year, we got our taxes back. And our taxable income for my wife and I and the business all combined was $330,000 taxable income. And my my fuel is 75 cents a mile. Wow. So my fuel cost is extremely high. Uh, (laughs) So, you know, so there, there was... There's always room for improvement on a fuel mileage, but we don't have our schedules. We don't have a lot of time-sensitive schedules. So as fast as we get it loaded, as fast as we get it empty, as fast as we get it reloaded. Here's the thing. When you've got net numbers like that, then we're not too concerned about the fuel cost. We're just not. And you, you explained why it's that high. You have to run hard to make the schedules, and you're making it work. The revenue is there to make it worth it to run that hard. You netted significantly more than this company that just filed bankruptcy that I was talking about. You netted significantly more than they grossed. I think I did the math and their average was about 280,000 per truck. Gross. I can't imagine trying to run nine trucks with drivers with that low of a gross revenue. No. No, that's definitely on the low side for what's out there. Yeah, well, when when you see that their first two top commodities are paper and and beverages, well, that's the garbage freight. That's the backhaul stuff you just fill in with. Well, and when I say our numbers, we're leased onto a carrier running under their under wow. their authority, and we wow. get, we only get fifty. 50- we only get 56% of what we gross for the company. So <laughs> hold on. I'm laughing you know, so we because, don't, we don't laughing because there, I swear, if you put that out to a group of a hundred owner operators, you're going to get 56% of the revenue. They would shoot you. There would be mutiny. There's no way they would take that job, but look at what it does. This is why it pays to understand the business and the numbers, because you can't make comparisons. Most people, most owner-operators would look at you and scream, hell no, I'm not working for 56% of the revenue. But look at the result. That's incredible. 
And if our, if my truck grosses over 600000 to the truck, the easy math is we gross over a million dollars to the company with our one truck, truck earn over 600000 With one with, truck? With one that is incredible. You know, and let me ask you a question. Do you care that they kept 44% of the revenue? I don't even ask. Hell I don't no. question. Right. Right. Some, right. Stuff we, some stuff we, we, got, we got two in the trailer right now. They told us it's a favor. We're not going to get nickels on these on these vehicles, but I don't care because the year to date is amazing. It's incredible. I would I would be in their office saying, "Thank you for running such an amazing company that you get to keep forty four percent and I get to make a ton of money." Exactly. You know, and and our truck. Uh, I'm not. I've listened to you for a very long time. Our truck has got eight hundred and sixty thousand miles, and we got drivers asking us when we're. It's a 2018, and they're asking when are we going to trade it in. You know, and I'm like, ain't gonna. <laughs> now it's starting to make us money. Now, now it's paying for itself, and I'm running it till the wheels fall off. Especially in this market, absolutely. Yeah, with this truck, I will say, you know, we've talked about Cummins and Cummins has had their issues. I'm definitely learning that the DD15 for the 2016 to 2020 has their issues uh, for sure. One of them is the cylinder head. Drivers are like, and that's with our revenue last year, we have 25000 into the engine between the cylinder head and um, in main bearings just because some senior drivers that I know, some veterans suggested to do them but turns out i really didn't need to do them but it was in the shop i I was just about to say the last people in the world to listen to about rod main bearings are (laughs) veteran drivers if they haven't kept up with this and i don't know how you couldn't i can't imagine we stopped replacing rod and main bearings about two decades ago this is not a new phenomenon we started doing it primarily, when, the first engine really was the Series 60. The electronics were so good that here's here's the history of why we used to replace bearings all the time. It makes sense. It, non-electronic engines, you put way too much fuel in the cylinder all the time. Even the best driver in the world does. The worst drivers are horrible. The only thing controlling the amount of fuel going into that cylinder is your right foot. That's why we told people, drivers, yep. you can't lug an engine. You can't let a diesel lug down. Well, that's not true anymore. We do it all the time now. We actually have a name for it. We call it downspeeding. But you couldn't do that on a mechanical engine. But no matter how good you were at driving one, you got too much fuel dilution because there was no control of that fuel flow. And that just destroyed the bearings. 250,000 miles, we just used to replace them. With the first electronic engine, that stopped. And almost unheard of these days to replace rod and main bearings unless you're doing a a rebuild. And the the, uh, service manager at the Detroit shop that did it for me, when the truck had 670,000 miles on it, and when I went in to see him to pay the bill and get the truck, he's like, look, I don't know what you're doing with your oil samples. He goes, but those rod and main bearings were just like new. He goes, you did not need to replace them. I said, well, I said, I had 130,000 miles on my previous oil. And uh, so then I went on to him about the OPS. Yeah. Yeah, that had to be shocking yeah. because my guess is he was thinking you were one of those guys still changing your oil every 10,000 miles or something. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, so now after my last one had 130,000 miles on it. So. Yeah, nice. Yeah. All right. So the other topic I was talking about was the uh, Instacart. These drivers that, you know, they think we're only subject to the Walmarts. We use Instacart a lot, and I know they've got a markup on their groceries, and then you got a delivery fee, and then if the delivery goes good, you got a tip fee. But, like, we went through Amarillo a couple of days ago. My wife's got the timing figured out. I got the truck washed and we got our groceries at the same time. Two things knocked out and we got better groceries from a better store using uh, Instacart. So drivers should try using Instacart. Absolutely. I remember the first trip that I went out on was the um, same trip I got busted down in Texas. I did the Landstar event down in Fort Worth and then realized that I had all these events scheduled that year and I was looking at how close they were scheduled and I hadn't planned on staying on the road. I was going to go down and do that event and come home. And I realized Louisville truck show was coming up. I had a bunch of other events booked and I, I ended up staying on the road for a couple months that time and I didn't take a car with me. So that was when I started using Instacart. I fell in love with it. I use it the minute I pull out of here in the coach, Instacart gets fired up, and that's all I use. And it's actually easier for me. If I'm running around in just the coach itself, I can get into any grocery store parking lot. It's not that tough. I don't. Why would I bother? I'd much rather pay the fee. And I have have the annual plan, so I don't have to pay the fee every time. There are still fees you pay. It goes way down if you have the annual plan, which I have. I absolutely love that service because if you are anywhere near a city, you have multiple grocery stores to pick from. Really good organic stores. Yeah, I mean, our, yeah it's incredible. Our truck and trailer is 83 feet long, knows the tail. So it's a little tight getting into some spots. And, you know, we got Whole Foods now. We got Sprouts. Those are our two major ones that we like getting groceries from. And when we're in the L.A. area, sadly, we're there more than we want to be. But Whole Foods are there. We can get our, you know, better groceries and it's delivered right to us. So drivers should definitely look at that. I, I love it. And. You know what? We need to support those people because with everybody getting laid off, there's going to be an awful lot of of door dashing and Instacart. Here's the other thing. That's all dynamic pricing. That's part of that whole model. Those apps, you don't pay the same fee all the time on any of these things, ride sharing, right. delivery apps. It's all based on supply and demand and the app monitors it in real time and adjust prices. Well, I can tell you what's going to happen. Fewer people are going to be using it because it is expensive and more people are going to be driving because they're losing their jobs or they need extra revenue. I'm predicting all of these services are going to get cheaper. And the people that I love seeing do it are the retiree husband and wife that are doing it together. They're out there, they're shopping, getting some kind of exercise, going to the grocery store, and they deliver you. And it's just nice seeing the elderly couples doing that. You know what? And they're actually pretty happy about it. I think they actually enjoy yeah. it. It's a nice break. They can do it when they want. Nobody says you have to get up and go to work today. You decide what you want to do it on, you know, late night weekends because it's busy. Do you want to do it in the mornings because there aren't as many other people out doing it? Just gives you a lot of freedom. I, I 
think these gig jobs are awesome. I think they're a great part of our economy, except for the fact that they keep trying to regulate them into employees, and that will destroy the entire model if they do that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All righty, man. Appreciate it. Thank you for all you do. All right. Good stuff. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Illinois. Oh, wait a minute. There we go. Let's go to Illinois this time. John, welcome to the program. Hi, Gavin. So I called you a couple of weeks ago about train wrecks and all that in North Dakota. But I came across the one story that might be a little worse. An industrial place in Monticello, Minnesota, had a pipe crack underground, releasing 400,000 gallons of water into the water table. Now, that industrial place is a nuclear power plant in Monticello. It was 400,000 gallons of highly irradiated water that got leaked into the ground. When? Two months ago. And, well, probably two and a half months ago, I was trying to call you last week, and I just didn't work out with the timing, but waited two months to release it on the news from when it actually happened. This is kind of crazy. We, you know, we're finding out that this stuff happens all the time, and we just don't know it. I'm surprised we're not all walking around glowing by this point. Yeah, it was kind of... uh, shocked at that uh, hearing that it's like 400,000 gallons of radiated water got I don't even know what that means pipe. I don't even know what that means is it I mean like if we were to hold a Geiger was, counter over this water it would register radiation I'm guessing I'm guessing it was in the used in the cooling system of the nuclear reactor and cool, why would right cooling, next to the floor, I don't know anything yeah. about nuclear reactors, but I'm wondering why the water, if we're just using it for cooling, why it would ever be coming in contact with radiation? I I don't know. It was in know. the news and everything, and I yeah, it, it doesn't you know, sound good. Great Monticello, Minnesota. Yeah. So yeah. no, it doesn't. Um, and that train wreck I called you from a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. The EPA still hadn't been on site. <sighs> Big surprise there. Yeah. They were just the EPA they were just is counting. They're they're too busy back in DC writing new rules to to push us into electric trucks. Yeah, they were just counting on the railroad company to take care of it in a you know quarterly fashion. But I believe that forever chemical that filled out, out west there in Ohio, or east, sorry, out east in Ohio, it was also on that train wreck in Weimar, North Dakota. Oh, unbelievable. Into a, far, into unbelievable. a, farmer, into we're, a farmer's field. We're, we're so focused on getting vehicles off the road that we've spent three decades making really, really clean. Our vehicles today are are extraordinarily yes. clean. We've paid the price for that over the last three decades. Our cars have been more expensive. Our trucks have been more expensive. They break down more often. Trucking got hit with this hard. 
I don't like the way it was done. I'm glad we did it. I don't want those black smoke rolling diesel engines all over the place anymore. I like the fact that these are cleaner burning vehicles. But now when we're just starting to get the benefit from all of that technology, we're being pushed into new technology, electric. And that's not the biggest problem in our world with pollution these days. It's just not. No, it's I agree with you. Unbelievable. Thank All you right. very much. That's the uh, new yeah. news I came across, so I figured I'd pass it on. There you go. I appreciate it. Phone lines are open. We're taking your calls. It is a free-for-all. Jump in and join us, 855-950-3835. I watched a bunch of calls come in. It looks like they've been dropping. I'm not sure what's going on. Pick up the phone and join us. We're going to head to Tennessee. Steve, welcome to the program. Good morning, Kevin. Uh, before we get to my p and I wanted to talk to you a little bit about a, a health situation that uh, in my, 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 my local tribe I ran into, basically the tribe I grew up with. Just that last week, ladies my age, very, very healthy all of her life, and you know, very young looking. She she looked like she was forty. She's sixty eight, and she's always been healthy. She she retired a little while back. She was the assistant clerk of court for years and years in the county I grew up in. And four months ago, she had a pap smear. Everything was all clear, and she got two boosters after that. And she died last week of stage four ovarian cancer. The, we're hearing a lot about these aggressive cancers in addition to the myocarditis and things of those nature with the so, with things and you know everybody thought she just hadn't had her pap smear and somebody in her close you know, relationship came back and said no she had one four months ago totally clear so and, there's yeah, somebody asked it, was she yeah there's there's a lot we've learned about cancer in the last decade so for a long time we thought that cancer was a genetic disease that there that we would find all of these genetic markers if you had this gene you're going to get this cancer there are a couple really small cases where if you have a certain gene your odds go up of getting a certain cancer but it's not a slam dunk not even close there are no genes that point to a hundred percent cancer rate and there's only a few that even correlate with cancer at all it turns out cancer is a metabolic disease yeah, right. Is, it is. Yeah, is a, you but here's, family. You but here's Tony, the other Tony thing. Tony Snow's family. Tony Snow. Here's the other thing we are now also starting to talk about. Yes, it's a metabolic disease. So he said, if you live healthy and you're you have a good metabolism, that's a big improvement. We also do know though that there are chemicals and other things in our environment that absolutely cause cancer. We know that. Those chemicals never used to exist. Our defense against cancer, we didn't realize this. We didn't know we had a defense against cancer. We do. It's our immune system. It's really powerful at finding these cancer cells really early and eliminating them. It's, It's we have cancerous cells in our body our entire life. 
but our immune system takes care of it before it becomes a tumor. What's happening now, the, the, the speculation, and, and it's pretty strong speculation, we know that the mRNA technology messes with our immune system horribly. And it's one thing to say, well, once you've had one of these shots, it seems like you're more likely to get COVID. You're more likely to get the flu. You're more likely to get RSV. You're more likely to get the common cold because your immune system is is tanked. Well, it's looking like you're also a lot more likely to get really fast-acting aggressive cancers. Yeah, that's scary. Yeah, it's definitely happening. It is, and like I say, we all we all had heard about you know the people that maybe have had markers in the past. Tony Snow's family had six, I think six other men in his family had died of colon cancer, and he you know, he had his check every two or three months, and he still died of colon cancer. Now he probably. Then that was 20 years ago. He probably at that point, you know, didn't know to eat a better diet. Of course, he, you know, he, may, right. he may have. And had he eaten, had he eaten one at that point, you know, he probably would have been, you know, he probably would have been fine you know, with it. But well, if uh, and, and then you, if, you if hear I can certain, think of certain, certain women aggressive. If I can think of one food group that's been demonized around cancer, it's meat. They've been trying to tell us for about two decades that eating meat causes cancer. It's absolutely not true. Nothing could be further from the truth, but that's right. what they tried to convince us. Yeah, well, we know that sugars and things that turn to sugar feed the cancers. That's that's one thing we know. You know that's 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 pretty that's pretty pretty sure now. I think. Yeah. Uh, but you know, like I say, and you've had you've had some women, their whole family of women because. Of diet but they had the markers to get breast cancer aggressive you know aggressive uh, breast cancer and that that's how but it's it, like you said there's something that's going to turn that that gene on and off and that is what you're doing putting in your body and maybe what you're doing with your body to move things like like that so i i, I agree totally that that's the case you know and, but that being said you know the the lady you know she she's working with a government organization i'm sure she had to get the vaccines and you know there was there was i'm sure a mindset in there oh yeah we've all got to do this you know because everybody that didn't probably were shunned or getting fired or something along that line you know yeah and so but but it was so the big, the big like you say that that's just like I say, that just uh it shocked me because uh uh, you know, I mean, I know she had retired, they had retired and they had retired to the beach where we're going to be. And we, you know, I thought, man, we're going to be able to, you know, we're going to be able to hook back up with them and spend time in retirement. And it's just like you say, you sit there and look at it. And, wow. I'm glad I never took, took an MRNA. My wife with the school system and she, she pretty well had to do it, but she quit after the first booster a year and a half ago. She's not going to do it again. But like I told her, I said, Dr. like Dr. McCullough says, you still got the spikes running around in your body. Just just pray, hope and pray they don't hit the wrong cells and that, you know, they're still running around in our blood. And, 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 and I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking to get into, there's a, there's a blood bank now for people that have never taken MRNA vaccines out there. And I, I'm looking to uh, keep, you know, I don't know if you've looked into that or not, but if you ever had to have blood, you'd like, like to be able to get it from somebody that doesn't have spikes running around in the blood. You know what I mean? You know, so I, that's, that's I a, haven't thought about it. it Try not to, although I know I need to. But after a while, you just get you get overwhelmed with this stuff sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's out there. I mean, I know Bill Salison had uh, 
the lady that started that up on his uh, podcast recently. So you you can probably find out more about it. You know, and like I say, I don't I don't foresee ever needing blood. But like I said, I'm out here in an industry where you could always have a wreck. And I haven't had any in 40 years, but uh, you could always have a wreck out here. And well, you know, I'm with everybody texting. Constantly cutting myself. Working in the garage, working on the coach, working in the garden. There's tools. I, I bleed a lot. So, yeah, it, it's not yeah. out of the question that I could have some sort of bleeding event and might need blood. And it does concern me. Exactly. Yeah. So, but, uh, well, like I say, that, that, that was just, that hit, that kind of hit me kind of, that hit me kind of hard. And, and, you know, it made me worry more about my, my, my wife. The fact that she, even though she quit a year plus ago, um, you know, she's not never going to get another one. She, she's, she's convinced now. Yeah, and uh, but but like I say, when you're in that setting, all you're hearing is the government. You're hitting, you're hearing the government what what the government you know propaganda is. That's it. You know, we've got to do this, and that that's what they're hearing. She wasn't wild about it, but she did it, and she did it up. You know, she she didn't. Uh, she quit. She quit a little early. She quit about like, six months before she retired. Uh, she did quit early. So hopefully, yeah, I don't know if the body's able to get rid of these spikes or not. But Dr. McCullough says it's kind of like Russian roulette. You just never know when one is going to hit the wrong cell. And yeah. and that's where people get different things. That's where you get some people have strokes. Some people have heart disease. Some people have aggressive cancers. There's all the different things that come up. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, so we, like I say, we're, you know, we, we like I say, just, like I say, just stay, stay, so, stay away from this stuff. Because, like, that fast is even somebody that gets an annual pap smear like this prop woman probably did. She had one that was clean, then boom, she's she she's dead. Yeah. Well, the same you know, if, so if, that, that's the point. You know, I've talked about this topic many, many times. I when I start talking about the book Overdiagnosed, how I feel about all of oh, yeah. these testing anyway, and people lose their mind when you start talking about I'm not gonna do uh any of these medical screenings. I won't do any. If I have a symptom, right. I'll take a yeah. test. If I have a symptom and there's a test that might tell yeah. me what that symptom is, I'll take it. That medical testing is very different oh, from yeah. medical screening. Medical testing means I have a symptom right. and I'm going to go try to figure out what it is. Medical screening is they just want you to randomly come in and take some sort of a test. Here's the problem. Even if you do this, one of two things will happen, and that's what this book points out. You can have cancers like most prostate cancers where, yeah, you actually do have a tumor in your prostate, and it is cancerous. And you know what? Sometimes the best thing to do is nothing. Prostate cancer most of the time grows so slow that you will die with prostate cancer, but you're not going to die of prostate cancer. So those are, that's the screening that you don't want to go do anything because you're not at much risk anyway. On the other hand, many of nah. our cancers will be what you just described. They are so fast and aggressive, all the testing in the world won't do any good. Right. Yeah, the symptoms the, are, are the key. I the, mean, the my thing is, I, I, have two, I, have two, I have two things that I... The answer here is to live as healthy as you can food-wise. Don't eat anything. Honestly, carnivore is oh, yeah. probably the safest diet on the planet these days. And 
And, and this is something we started doing as a company right now, address all of the other chemical load in your life as well. All the chemicals you smear all over your body and gargle in your mouth and smear under your armpits and on your hair and all of these chemicals that are completely unnecessary, our toothpaste, our soaps, our shampoos, our move to natural products without all the chemicals in them. There are some really, we're going out and finding those kind of products to put them in the store now and make it easy. Then we'll move on to cleaning products around your house and in your car. By the way, we already have those towelettes we were we just put in the store. Excellent for cleaning up around the truck and cleaning up yourself. Totally natural. So yeah. that's that's the only way we're going to combat what's happening in our world with all these metabolic diseases and now cancer running rampant and the you know The fact that these people, their immune system is being affected is scary because we keep hearing about more and more aggressive bacteria and viruses and fungi. We we now need a really, really strong immune system. It's more important than ever. Yeah. And, you know, there are two there are two screenings that you and I both do that are two most important things that we can have for our health as far as knowing where we're at in our in our system is vitamin D levels and C-reactive protein, your inflammation levels in your body. I keep my inflammation levels down at 0.7, and I'm up around 80 all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, those are two good numbers to monitor. Steve, did we lose you? Got very quiet. I keep those at, at that level. At that level, if you, I'm sorry, yeah, I keep I keep my my C-reactive protein very very low, zero point seven, usually to zero point eight, two point. They oh, you two point five used to be above two point five, uh, below two point five was good. They've changed their standards at Everly Well now. It's anything below three is good now because they got so many people that have high. <laughs> Inflammation that's, in their bodies. That's exactly so, that, right. You had said they, they move they, they move their ranges. Yep. And they even they've done it, and they're pretty they're they're pretty you know they're pretty holistic there right. compared to most other right. testing sites. You know, and they've even moved theirs to American people have such high inflammation in their bodies. That's why all these drugs, all these opioids are taken. People people are hurting. And I, I, that's why they're doing it. You know, but if I keep my inflammation levels low, I've got two bad shoulders and a bad knee. Guess what? I don't have all that pain, exactly. uh, you know, with it right. because I keep my levels low. Yeah, and 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 D and vitamin D. They they had done. There was a couple of studies during COVID during the hot and heavy time of COVID, and they were showing that anybody that had a sixty or above on a vitamin D three level, none of they found nobody had died, and they found that below nineteen and below, every person that had levels of nineteen and below were people that had died. Uh, so every person died that had the low vitamin D. So I mean, look, it's a correlation. We know it's not a causation, but that's you know that's pretty damning that 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 all those people die and people and the doctors are still saying if you got a nineteen or a twenty, oh well, you're right there at the bottom of the range. You're okay. That's what the general doctor, general practitioners are going to say about your your D levels. And and so we we need to like you say. We have to listen to the holistic side of things, you know, you and, and others in this industry, and we do. But uh, that was a that was an aside. I just wanted to, uh, Angie sent you my profit and loss statement for last year, and uh, those numbers are with three nights home every weekend that I've got there. I, I, so, you see the wages down there around 101, 
Before you said that, I had opened this up and I always just, you know, scroll down to the bottom line to see. And I had a, a moment of panic there. I was looking at your income and expense and then your net. And I'm like, holy cow, that number looks awful. What is wrong? And then I realized you, you had the wages in there. So once you put the wages back, then it yeah, looks fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and like I say, included, I would, I mean, the bottom line would look better, but you know what? The Augusta rule, oh, that's in there. You know, let's put it this way. Things that you would have if you were not in business. I have a home internet, but it's, you know, it's, I have a business of course, use. So of it's, course, it's, right. Uh, my wife and I, my wife and I, we run this thing together and our cell phones are deductible. You know, if we didn't have a business, the cell phones we'd be having anyhow. Those kind of things are about $10,000 that would be added to the profit and loss if you didn't work deducting them. Absolutely. Uh, so, you know, so, you know, and that's like they with three nights at home on the weekends. And that's basically, I work logistics. I have generally, most weeks I have three different contracts customers in three different industries. Yeah, I diversify. And then I have a one or two loads that, that are fill-in loads that are off the, the spot market board, which the spot market board has dropped. And one of my one of my contract loads has dropped some. It's still $4 a mile, <laughs> uh, you know, but it, I've still got $6 a mile freight. I've still got, you know, 4 50 a mile freight that have been for years and years. I got one, I got one load a week that has paid me well over 800000 to the truck in seven and a half years. And, you know, that's consistency. Their freight has to be there when the machines go down. And, you know, if you are consistent, yeah, I tell people for a relationship, oh, you can't build relationships with agents for pro. Yes, you can. Of course See, you uh, can. If you're always on time and you keep your, you keep your equipment, you keep your equipment in good shape so you're not breaking down all the time. And then you communicate with them. You know, you run their apps. You, your email thread has everything on it. You know, arrived and departed shippers, receivers, POD sent to them at the end. Everything that they could ever want. It's amazing. I started doing that eight and a half years ago when I came here. I devised my, my own email system at that point, first, first loads. And I've had dozens of agents call me back and say, wow, what communication. And everybody could do that. It doesn't take any extra time. But they don't want to communicate or they don't want to know where they are. They don't want phone calls. You know, if you get a TQL load, you're either going to get text or phone calls. You know, if you got a, if you got an outside 3PO, that's theirs. You have to take those things into account. You know, that do I want to make money or do I want to be a smart ass truck driver? <laughs> that, yeah. Yeah. And most people want to, want to be that smart ass. Hey, Steve, I'm going to interrupt you here just because there was a headline I wanted to talk about. Now I just found another one. First off, I was going to talk about this morning, but by the time I came on the air, it looked like it was kind of already under control. There was a shooting in Louisville. And when I saw the address, they said the 300 block of Main Street. I'm thinking that's not very far from Mercer's headquarters. They're on Main Street in downtown Louisville. Yeah, I think they're... Right. I think they're west of that, though. They must be in like the eleven or twelve hundred block, maybe three hundred would be right near downtown. Yeah, but so they're not that far. Seven or yeah, eight blocks. It'd be more ten, ten, twelve. Yeah, yeah, 10, yeah, yeah not far. Ten blocks, maybe. And, well, and here's yeah, why I just yeah, brought I it up. Exactly. You see it right. Here's why I just brought it up. There's another shooting happening there right now. They did have the first one under control, but there's a there was a second shooting. 
at Eighth and Chestnut, which is right there. Eighth and Chestnut, that's even closer to Mercer. Yeah, that's that's five yeah, that's four or five blocks away. Yeah, that's not far at all. Yeah, that's that's crazy. That that is and that is that is and and, and here's see, another all one. These, all the shootings it, we're having I just saw this headline, and I, I've skimmed the article while you were talking. I haven't had time to look at this, but I'm wondering if this could even be true or what I might be missing. Here's the headline. Ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach close due to widespread worker shortages. What? Those are the two biggest ports that. in the country. There's... Yeah, and there are no there's there's nothing on those in those containers right now. There are a lot of there are a lot of containers that are that, you know they're not they're not filling the boat they're not filling the boat up with loaded containers in China right now. Part, the top part of those uh, boats now have empty containers in them. That's their issue right now. That the economy's that bad right now that we're you know we've got one third the number of containers than we had you know during that hot period. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's here's. That's their way of spinning it so it doesn't look bad on the socialists that are in charge. Here's another headline that that worries me. I had several of these this morning. PC shipments fall 29 percent led by drop in Apple devices. We move a lot of electronics and computers around the country. And if it drops 30 percent, that's not a good sign. Yeah. No, it's not. Yeah, no, it definitely not. Maybe they'll put some on sale. I could use a couple right now. <laughs> no, here's the goofy thing. This is what we keep talking about. You would expect things to get cheap, but they're not. They're getting more expensive. Yeah. We are really staring at stagflation here, I think. We added more jobs again. Yeah. The jobs market is still really yeah. strong, which is scary. Yeah, but I think it's strong on the lower end, and the lower end is coming down. So all these, all these twenty dollar an hour you see on billboards now are coming down to fourteen to start. So they, you know, they, they're, you know, even in trucking, we've seen people. Commercial said they got a reduction in their, and their money from on their contract for, uh, for you know, being leased to the carrier for the for the containers. You know, there, there is going to be a lot of pain going forward. Be out of debt. That's what I tell everybody. You know, be out of debt. You know, put yourself. You know, have yourself some other streams of income, and and do that. Uh, like I say, right now, all my retirement money is still in S and P five hundred, Russell two thousand. But most of my other money now is it's in you know it's it's in four and a half percent some good money markets right now, or the I bonds and things like that because you are getting a little better interest on it. I mean, Landstar pays four and a half percent on our escrow, so I've got all the money I could put in that thing. Absolutely. And that's, yeah. a, that's a good interest rate. Yeah. Hey, you, so, you know, everybody needs to be doing that. Yeah. You want to talk about a good interest rate. When I was with FedEx, if they had a an escrow like everybody else and they paid the going rate of interest, but then they also had a a maintenance account that they encouraged people to put money into. And if you kept, yeah. if I remember this number right, if you kept, I think it was $800 in that account. I had multiple accounts because you could have one for every truck. If you had $800 in yeah. the account, you, they paid you like $200 a year to do that. Oh, that's good. It was, that's 25%. It was incredible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, you, 
would look at people. Yeah. I'd it's be doing, like they were, it's almost, you're right. I would be look doing their tax returns because I, I did a ton of them back then. And I'd look at them and go, why don't you have any money in your maintenance accounts? Oh, I don't need their stupid maintenance accounts. I have my own account. I know it's a stupid account, but they're paying exactly. 25% interest. My God. Yeah. I know that. I mean, I, I talk to people all the time. I talk to people at Landsport. Been here thirty-five years. They take an advance on every load a, a few days ahead, and you got to pay for that advance. Of course, you do. <laughs> and, oh. I, and they have to pay for each advance. When I was in orientation eight and a half years ago, the, the biggest, the biggest head scratcher for me was, why are we getting two cards? They said, well, one of them's your settlement card, and one of them's your fuel card. I said, they look exactly alike. I plan on buying fuel off my settlement every week. Well, no, no, no. You got to take advances, <laughs> and you no, know, it doesn't work that way. You can, no. you can. I the other one has been tucked tucked back in a, an extra wallet for years, never used it, exactly. and and so yeah, I, you know. Oh, and if you advance, guess what? You get zero interest on your on your escrow account. I get four and a half percent right now. That's right. And they what they do is the is the is the daily rate that corporations can borrow from each other. That's what we get. They're borrowing our money. To to you know all co- all corporations, especially big ones, they for cash flow they they do overnight borrowing borrowing from other corporations, and it's usually at, you know like right now it's four and a half percent because of the the interest rates at the Fed, and if if the Fed keeps going up, that number keeps going up. By the way, so it went up another quarter. I got a hadn't uh, hadn't looked yet. Yeah, this quarter should come out this week. I'll see what I got this quarter. But I got I got five uh, four hundred ninety five dollars interest. For the for the last quarter of last year on my second settlement in January, and you know, that's just free money. Why not take it? You know, I don't care. You know, they're not. I could with a phone call, they'll put it on my card. If I wanted fifty thousand on my card, they could put it on there immediately, and I could take. I could send it home right immediately. I mean, you can do what you want to with it. It's not a. It's not a kind of thing where you, you know, where where they're holding your money like these lease purchases with five escrows. Right. You know, I, yeah. Do you want? You don't. Do not want to be in that situation, but that's. I think that's what people come from. They came from that, so they don't trust any of them, including. Us. And so, but, but the thing is, is financially, we all need to be doing doing everything we can. On a good note, I'm like you. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm wary of, of real estate right now, but we have a targeted real estate we've been trying to get for two and a half years, and we will be closing in two weeks on a uh, a on a beachfront property. And uh, we'll be renting it in June, July, and August this year. And 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 we're the only game in town. Everything else at our our beach has been rented. So on dynamic pricing, the the lady said we could. A real estate lady said we could probably get five grand a week for it this year nice. because there's nothing else down there. So nice. so you know, trucking, you know, trucking being owner operator has been good to me. I've added over a million dollars of net worth in eight and a half years uh, since I went out on my That's- went out. That's the difference all those all those details make, all those things we talk about. You know, talking about investments and real estate and all that, a couple of weeks ago I had mentioned I was out in the garden and uh, a young, I don't want to call him a kid, but my God, he looks like a kid. He, I'm not even sure if he's 20 yet, um, maybe early 20s. He came over, walked over and started asking me about the garden. And he had his story was, you know, adopted and he was brought up on a farm and he misses it. And he wants to get back into it now. Young, though, really young, just really wanted to learn. And it was mostly about, you know, gardening and that kind of stuff. So yesterday I was out in the garden and he walked over again 
and started talking. I am so encouraged by this kid. You know, it sounds like he had a pretty rough life, didn't have a, you know, again, adopted. That's difficult. There were some other things going on. This kid is so sharp and so eager to learn. He came over we, just to say hi. We're talking about stuff. And he says, he said, I just want to ask you, he said, last time we were talking, you had said you had bought some properties in the area. And he was asking me about foreclosures. And I said, yeah, two of the lots that I bought here in this area were foreclosures. I actually bought them for the tax money. I bought them back from the county and got a hell of a deal on them. And he said, how do you do that? What is, how do you invest in those kind of properties? And I said, well, I help you out a lot. I said, the biggest problem is, and remember this kid's maybe early 20s. I said, the biggest challenge with investing in in foreclosures and other properties like that, tax properties, I said, you have to have cash. And he said, I've got cash. (laughs) And I thought, oh, all right. (laughs) Yeah, I really like this kid. So I told him, I said, anytime, he doesn't live here in the neighborhood, but one of his relatives does. I said, anytime you're in the neighborhood, just stop over. I just love, you know, talking with, with young people that are just that hungry to learn. Well, that gives you a mentoring opportunity that really is when you and and help them formulate, you know, what they're going to do and their thinking, you know, going forward. That's that's the key, and and that you know that's the key right there is mentoring other people. You know, everything that you do reinforces in you how well you know it when you're teaching it to others. Absolutely, and, and, and that's that's I I'm constantly mentoring people because it helps me. It helps me run my business better, you know. And so, so I think everybody, everybody should whatever you learn, go teach it to somebody else. They may not be listening, you know. I'm very, very as far as mentoring goes. I mean, I'll, I'll interview people for five or ten minutes. I can tell you whether or not I'm going to mentor them in that right. period of time. This, you know, if they if they're a glass half half empty person, I'm not I'm not waste my time. With them. That's you know, why but if I they're told, always looking to improve. Yeah, that's why I told this kid, you stop over any time you want. And I mean it. I love helping people like that. He's so hungry. He's already doing a lot of stuff right. He's asking good questions. Um, I love that. All right, Steve, going to cut you loose. Calls are coming in. I want to get to them. Let's go to Colorado this time. Tom, welcome to the program. Yeah, hey, good morning, Kevin. Steve's amazing. He knows his numbers. I bet you... Bet you ten dollars, Steve can tell you his uh, combination of his junior locker <laughs> in high, you know, junior probably. high school locker. He's probably, yeah, <laughs> yeah he does. A couple things; uh, they're all random. The rash that I got by the by the train crash over there, I was talking about. Oh, yeah. by, um uh, Geneva by the lake. There, yeah, it's finally gone. So that's that's <laughs> there, there. There's good news. You know, you know and. We- want to touch on that. We certainly don't hear about it in the mainstream media, but every group they have sent to East Palestine to do any kind of testing has gotten sick. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And I wasn't even, I wasn't even that close. I was just by where the wind was blowing up, you know, blowing all the um, atmosphere or whatever it was, you know, I, I scroll a lot of headlines every day and East Palestine is being ignored. Yeah. Well, uh, we, we got to shoot, you know, we've got 12 hour memory, you know, everything's, you know, n- now we move on. There was, you know, three more shootings and, you know, so, yeah, you know, another 
sprained her ailments, and it is ridiculous. Hey, on Twitter, I asked you where, so I want to make my own batch of yogurt with the, you know, the probiotics in it, and like the, the, the lactobacillus fruteride, that's pretty easy to get, right? That's what you have in your yogurt. Um, all of the strains, I don't know that they're, they're not difficult to get. You just have to know where to get them. Sometimes a little hard to find yeah, where, them and, where, and you've got to be specific because L. ruteri itself doesn't really tell us enough. There are lots and lots of strains of L. ruteri. We actually have to have the right strain and it might be something with some weird uh, designation like R203. I mean, it's weird, but you've. We can tell you exactly where to get it, and I thought we were still giving it away. Did you happen to ask Angie that? I, I did. I didn't. I I hope that you are. But and remember, you were having because some of the bacteria need to go at different temperatures. Correct. So there's five that I want to put in there. There's five that I want to put in there. So I have to do the research, but I don't even know. And I go on Google to research them. There are companies out of England, yeah, and then you have to fill, be a doctor. Yeah, you have to be a doctor right. and fill out all that shit. Right. You're, yeah, this is – so we've got this. We have a one-page sheet somewhere, too, on HealthyTribe.com that gives you the names, gives you the links, gives you the temperatures, all the directions in, in one okay. document. Now, the one thing I will say okay. – if you want multiple strains in the same yogurt, the way I would do it is I would culture them separately and then mix them afterwards. Because that's what I'll probably do. Some of the strains culture at 100, some of them culture at 109. That's too big of a split. It's a if huge you try difference. to do it at 100, right. the stuff at 109 isn't going to multiply very well. If you try to do it at 109, the bacteria at 100 is probably going to die off. So you should culture them separately, mix them after. But I'll put you back on hold. Yeah. Angie says we do no, no, I'll, I'll, yogurt I'll, taps. I'll, I'll ask her, I'll, I'll, I'll ask her on, on uh, Healthy Tribe okay. and she can shoot it over. Yep. And then, uh, and then uh, yeah, I want, I want to get something for... Uh, I was reading something on mouth bacteria. You know, even though you are got flora, but you have mouth flora also. And so I couldn't figure out where you were. You, you were talking about your ultraviolet light mouthpiece for, for, uh, for your teeth. I couldn't, I couldn't find that thing at all. But so, uh, when, you, when you get it in a store, as long as I have my teeth still. Um, so one of the things where, you know, we work with the company a long time before we bring them into the store. If I find a product I'm interested in, then typically what I do, I don't tell the company anything. I don't contact them. I just buy the product myself and start testing it. And and we're doing right. that with this system. We have not made a deal with the company yet because we're not quite ready. We do have the founder and CEO of the company coming on the show. We do have her booked. Um, And we're getting closer all the time. But, you know, there's two reasons. One, we don't want people running out and buying something that we're not confident of yet. And two, once we are confident of it, we don't want people running out and buying it somewhere else. Buy it in her store. (laughs) Wait until we get it. We will. So her, her whole take makes total sense to me.
You know, the dental approach is you have to constantly clean and scrub and disinfect your mouth, right? I mean, that's the approach. They originally told us we should brush three times a day after every meal. We should use these, you know, pre-brush rinses. We should use this mouthwash afterwards. We... All of that stuff is toxic. It is the nuclear yeah. approach. It wipes out all the bacteria in your mouth. And just like all the good bacteria, yeah, the good bacteria too. Yeah. Just exactly. like the rest of our body. If we wipe out the bacteria, the bad stuff has a better chance of taking hold when we stop killing everything. So the approach shouldn't right. be to try to kill everything. It should be to try to kill the bad bacteria and multiply good bacteria. Her claim is toothpaste yeah. is completely irrelevant. You don't need toothpaste at all. If you just wanted to brush your teeth with water, that would be fine. We should be using very, very soft brushes. We should not be overly mm-hmm. stimulating the gums like they told us we should be. And the goal the entire goal of dental care should be to get the pH and the bacteria in the mouth correct. And once you do that, yeah. the teeth are self-healing. 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 Yeah, no, that's, what, that's incredible. That's a, I had, had to do my, yeah. Yeah, I had to do my 34 and, and uh, I was, you know, so I've been, you know, it's easy to forget or you know put it off but there's just no reason with the electric toothbrushes we have now driving down the road to not you know not be you know, brushing your teeth the soft toothbrush there's just no excuse for it you know and i'm probably guilty of maybe not you know when i went and had the deep cleaning said that uh, a little gum disease, you know, but everybody heard bacteria. Everybody does. Yeah. Everybody has gum disease. Yeah. Because our bacteria is so screwed up in our mouth. And yet look at, so let's take somebody who does a pre-rinse of some kind. There's several of those out there. Then they brush their teeth. Then they floss. Then they probably use some sort of a mouthwash. And they're probably very proud of themselves for taking such good care of their teeth. Exactly the way they've been told to do. And yet, they have cavities, they have gum disease, they're constantly at the dentist. And and I want somebody to go through the list of ingredients on those three products. It looks like a giant no, science experiment. I can't believe we put that crap I, I in did. our mouth every day. I did. And there was, so I was watching a video that a doctor, you know, and, and he was talking about the bacteria and he said, do not use toothpaste if it has these ingredients in there or mouthwash that have these, because that's exactly what's happening is killing all the bacteria in your mouth. So, so uh, that, that's, you know, and that totally makes sense. You know, at least he it seemed like he knew what he was talking about, you know, and, we, um, and, uh, and, and the mouth can heal itself. Yeah, there's a big push in this area now. This is like the next wave of natural health is is dental and oral. When we were at the convention um, down in L.A. a couple of weeks ago, I'll bet just off the top of my head, I bet there's somewhere between five and ten uh, companies that were really promoting a lot of the same kind of stuff, a lot of really natural products and more more of a paleo kind of approach. I mean, we know that hunter-gatherer tribes had perfect teeth. They didn't have cavities. They had no toothpaste, no floss, no, no dentist, no fluoride. Fluoride, by the way, should go away. can't believe we're still putting fluoride in water. That is a really bad idea. 
and it's not doing anything to help our yeah. teeth. So there, there is a movement there. It'll be like everything else. The average person doesn't sure. even know about this stuff. Once you're made aware of it, it's, no. it's, it's growing, which is a good thing. So like I said, we have her show coming up. She's not a dentist, by the way. I didn't think that she was. She's a nurse. She does have a medical background, but she's not yeah, a dentist. Good. good. I'm happy it's never a doctor because I'm after after COVID, unless they're natural health practitioners, I'm pretty much, and my brother's cancer, I'm pretty much opposed to him entirely. Yeah. And now I have uh, two book reviews. Well, the, the one I've been pushing on you, uh, which was... Uh, uh, it's funny that I just realized we're both the same last name. Robert Kennedy Jr.'s book that I'm begging you to read. I don't think he, he's not entirely anti-vax. Not entirely anti-vax. He's pretty close, but there's two different kinds of vaccinations, too, and some have mercury in them and some don't, and he's sort of claiming that the elite don't get the dose with the with the mercury in it. I uh, don't know Man. if that's true or not. If you know we, what I mean? If we and, ever and, do find out that something like that is true, I can't even imagine. Right. Yeah, I can't even no. imagine. Can you imagine the shit? Right. No. Right. And then, uh, and then, uh, um, Tim Kennedy has a book out there that is a feel good. Talk about this is the this guy's got post. You know who Tim Kennedy is? He was an MMA is that, fighter, special forces. Is this show called Tim Cast? Well, it might, it might be. He was doing a search for Hitler a couple of years ago. I wasn't really that familiar with him. That cat right there has the most interesting life of anybody. You, you sort of put the book down and you're like, or, you know, pause it or whatever. And you're like, what a waste I made <laughs> my life. <laughs> this guy, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's almost a depressing thing. You're like, oh my God, this guy, it's unbelievable. They shit that this cat's been through and done you know <laughs> yeah it's unbelievable it just makes you make you smile at least there's somebody out there that's living the life to the fullest anyway there you go good stuff okay that's all i got my friend thank you all right that's all i need thanks for the call let's go to kentucky james welcome to the program hey kevin here's the deal Two years ago, 2021, I made $170,000. I paid taxes on that. I had to write this check to Sam for 45 grand. Doesn't that hurt? I was like, I never made that much. Doesn't before. that hurt? I used to make 45000 I know. And, and when you have to write a check to the IRS for $45,000, how many other places do you ever write a check for $45,000 for? Nowhere. Nowhere. I've never written a check that big. Exactly. I know. It's scary. Yeah. So 2022, I made 80 grand, and I had to write the check for about 20. So needless to say, it's time for the LLT. I got to quit paying so much tax. So I got with your uh, your, uh, CPA team up there in Washington, and uh, we filed for the LLT. I got that. I got the articles of organization. I got the business bank account. I got payroll services doing my payroll. Excellent. So I'm all set up. I'm listening. I'm listening to the LLC for dummy, right? So I want to know more about an LLC. Okay. Before, and it's talking about I need second. a registered. Hold on, hold on one second. Yeah. 
before we talk about LLCs and all their legalities and all that stuff, for the most part, everybody ignores all this crap. Honestly, that a lot of this stuff never, ever gets done. We do the LLC because it's easier than an S-Corp. It has less rules and regulations, but a lot of this stuff never, ever gets done. Most people that have corporations don't realize they have to do an annual meeting. There has to be minutes from the annual meeting. Nobody ever does this crap. And I shouldn't say no. Okay, what about a register? As you start to grow, you know, you I do these things, but joke, we pencil whip this stuff. You no, know, you just fill out a form, right. you throw it in the file. The IRS ever audits you, you've got something there. It, for small corporations, a lot of this stuff is a joke. Now, who did who filed your LLC? I did. So this is one of the reasons why I don't recommend doing yourself. It's easy. The the form is a page and a half, right? Yeah, I downloaded it off the internet, filled it out, and mailed it into the hundred bucks. But now you and don't they, know what to do about your registered agents. Well, it, the page actually says I could be my own registered agent, but I'm listening to this book, and they're they're make you know they're scaring me because right. they say, well, you got to be there 24 hours a day to accept lawsuits and and uh, paperwork for, and yeah, government. For- just have to be available. You don't have to be physically anywhere 24 hours a day. That's here, here's when it comes to things like this, where there's a lot of government involvement, filing for your authority, getting the corporation or the mm-hmm. LLC. I, even though you can do it cheap and easy yourself, I just recommend paying somebody to do it because you don't know what you don't know. You don't, you didn't even know there was a need for a registered agent. You don't know how registered agents work. No. What if there's something else that you knew they were supposed to have? How do you know what you I knew if you had your authority, you had to have, you had to have a BOC3 in everything. That's just one thing. That's what I mean. Government is so, the government is so good at convoluting things and screwing things up. The problem is you go to one place in the government's rules and regulations and you follow everything and think, (laughs) I got this. Except what they didn't tell you was there's two or three other places you have to go and follow their rules too. That's why I just pay people to do this kind of stuff. And tomorrow we're changing the law again. Uh, it, It changes constantly just pay people to do this kind of yeah. stuff so i should find somebody to do the registered agent in all states or ignore it i don't know or what the downside is I've, I've seriously half the time you don't do any of this stuff nothing ever happens okay all right that'll work you want to hear a good here's, health story here's another one so virtually every state county city Almost all of them require you to register a business, get some sort of registration number. How many owner operators have ever registered their business with the county, city, or state? Probably none of them. Probably none. Yeah, very, very few. Most small businesses don't. The one thing I did was because I was forced to. We actually had a physical location, an office, and occasionally cities and counties do send people around. And they knocked on our door and they said, we need to see your your tax ID. And I said, tax ID, what the hell's that? 
and they made me go get one. Been there for three years. I was going to get one years ago when I first started, but I listened to you on the radio. And that's what you told us. I threw it. I ain't one. Nothing and bad has ever happened. Right? I never, exactly. Yeah, no negative consequences because of that action. Right. So you want to hear a good health story? Sure. Uh, two years ago, when I took my EOT physical, my blood pressure was 139 over 85. Okay. I was borderline because 140, they have to put you on uh, blood pressure medicine. But I'm military. The nurse was ex-military, so she let me pass. I was like, thank you. I'll get this shit under control. So I figure I'll wait till about a year in, then I'll, then I'll check my diet, and I'll, I'll lose some weight, and I'll, I'll get it under control. Well, a year went by. I still hadn't done it. I said, well, I'll wait for 90 days. No, nope, still didn't do it. I'll wait for 30 days. I was like, man, I got to get on it. I got to take a physical in 30 days. So I went to your store. I bought me a big old tub of that, big old tub of that cardio miracle. And I religious, religiously took at least one big old tumbler of that every day. Okay. I think two or three times I did it twice. Two or three times I did it twice. But every day at least once for 30 straight days. And then I went to do my physical out in the parking lot. I did two rounds of Wim Hof breathing before I went in. Awesome. I'd never done Wim Hof breathing before. <laughs> Knew about it. Didn't do the shit, you know. <laughs> I know about everything. I've been following you since you were a guest with Mark Willis, okay? All right. <clears throat> so I did my breathing. I walked in. First and second thing they did was the blood pressure. I'm like, oh, Lord. Oh, my God. Oh, Lord. So they did the blood pressure. He didn't say anything. Took the cuff off. I'm like, I'm sitting there in suspense, waiting for him to say, well, your blood pressure is kind of high. I said, well, what's the blood pressure? He said, oh, it's 127 over 72. You're good. Nice. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, thank God. And I'm 61. That's excellent. Congratulations. Yeah. So it has been well worthwhile following you all these years. Let me tell you. Excellent. I've learned so. Thank you for the support. Calls are piling up. I'm going to start knocking them down. We're going to go to Minnesota. Matt, welcome to the program. Good morning, Kevin. What's on your mind today? Well, I was wondering what Angie was going to put in there because when she asked where you at, I said in the living room. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's unusual. But well, yeah, so I overheard some calls, and um, of course, the one with the nuclear power plant in Monticello. Yes, which is about ninety miles from our house. I hadn't heard anything about it, so did some research online, and it's one of these things that's blown way out of proportion. I, I kind of thought I didn't. I did. You know, the water was the right. Yeah, and I'm certainly not blaming the caller because, like you say, it it's concerning when you hear it. But it is, and being compared to it's hard to go figure some of this stuff out. But I didn't think that we had real problems with water, the cooling water from these plants. Yeah, I guess a good comparison would be 
like in your house. Do you have any fluorescent light bulbs? Or at some point in your life you've had them. There's probably still a few left. I know I still have fluorescents in the trailer. I want to swap those out, but not many, but there was a time when a lot, yeah. Yeah. You ever break one? Yeah. Lots of times. Did you call poison control and of course nine one one and make a big deal out of it? Okay. Well that's that's probably the comparison here. Kinda (laughs) kinda thought so. Power plant, it's a big deal, but it's... Well, and as soon as we hear nuclear... Right, right. So we are actually dealing with this issue here in our little town. We're we're such a tiny town that everything is talked about. We have a a data center that wants to build here in town. They want to take over one of the empty warehouses we have and then maybe build another one. Uh, Data centers, these are also referred to as server farms, these are buildings with oh, yeah. lots and lots of computers, big servers, not a lot of people. Data centers don't use a lot of people because the computers are doing all the work. There's just somebody there to kind of monitor. They also produce an incredible amount of heat. So the town is worried about the fans causing noise. I've read, I've done some research on this where um, some of the big data centers, there is a constant noise in a 13-mile radius. That's pretty big. That's a lot of area to hear a noise from. So we're a little concerned about that. This is supposed to be a much smaller data center. We're on the river, so they are going to use water to cool. The water is never contaminated in any way. The water is a sealed system. It's pulled out of the river run through cooling tubes, put back out into the river. So there's no danger of contaminating the water, but there is a danger of changing the temperature of the river and how that affects things. So I'm actually involved in a lot of that research right now for things like that. I don't want to be the guy that says, no, you're not putting that in my neighborhood, but I will be. There are better places to do that. If these things are really noisy and they have all these other problems, they need to be out away from people. Well, but they're huge consumers of electricity, aren't they? Yes, and that's why our so that our town building wants them, it. Them near right. our, our town wants it because we make money selling electricity. We run our own electric company in town. So we do like looking at places like this that use a lot of electricity. Yeah. So, yeah, the... Uh, Back to the nuclear power plant, you know, the, the 400,000 gallons of water, which sounds like a huge number, but that's not even enough to fill an Olympic swimming pool. Yeah, and that's okay. the water that had a little bit of contamination in it, right. and it never left the property. Oh, got all it. on site. So Yeah, so this is what you have to be careful of. Once we have a big issue like East Palestine and everybody's talking about it, then you do start to see yep. these sensationalized headlines. Yeah. Which, you know, I get. We want to know, but right. then, like you say, this story here is a small one, but if that's all the headlines are, well, then, you know, the big ones get lost. Right. Um, the other one you mentioned, you read uh, the Port of LA, Long Beach. 
Yeah, what's going on with that? Not enough workers. <laughs> so that's an interesting way to word a union strike. Yeah, what's with that? So I did read afterwards, like I said, I saw this headline while I'm on the air, so I don't have time to really read it. But I did then back for a second, and I saw there was some kind of contract talk going on. Yeah, that's, well, this is extended all the way from years ago. Really? So they actually figure the whole backup, the only reason, of course, but you know, there was an influx of shipments and all that. But prior to that, the union instructed their employees to start slowing down because their contract was up for negotiation. Once it got so backed up, the government stepped in and said, we're going to extend this. Well, now the union contract is up for vote. So, yeah, they're, they're going home at 3 o'clock. <laughs> Unbelievable. But you know, this this we keep seeing more and more signs of what that crazy book, The End of the World, was predicting. It's kind of scary. Yeah. Well, the union's biggest fight right now, in this situation anyway, is automation. They, the port wants to invest in automating things, and the union is no way. Well, it, my job. well, I mean, let's think about it. If if there were ever a place where automation and electric would work to move things around, it's at the docks, the ports, the warehouses, the terminals. I, me, right now, an electric yard truck sounds like a really good idea. That's that's where this oh, yeah. kind of well, even a. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. An autonomous electric, electric yard truck. Right. <laughs> exactly. That's where we should perfect this technology in controlled situations like that. Yeah. But we do have to start yeah. thinking about all of this autonomous technology in moving stuff around, whether it's vehicles, warehouses, boats, whatever it might be, drones delivering to homes. That's all taking away jobs. And we're, we're hearing that there isn't enough people to do the jobs and keep this world economy going. But at the same time, what do the people do when they don't have a job anymore? I mean, what jobs are we going to do yeah. if we keep on AI? I mean, there is a real fear of how how many people just this simple AI that's only been out for a couple months that this is already replacing jobs. Yeah. Well, I mean, just, you know, I got a lot of older friends that think the Internet is what's destroying our society, and there's some truth to that. I mean, Absolutely. You know, look at social media. That <laughs> certainly hasn't um, it, improved yeah. our society like in, in, right. in many ways. <laughs> <as it's>, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. It's a uh, it's a crazy time. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I really wanted to point out was you know when you when you read a headline, don't get excited by what the headline says until you uh, get more yeah. details. And you know now that everybody's a journalist, and you know we have this thing called clickbait. 
The idea is just write a headline that makes people open the article. The article can be total garbage, doesn't have to be written well. All we want you to do is open it. So just click on this link. It's called clickbait. So they write headlines to get you to open them. I deal with it all day long. Yeah. And, you know, the, the companies that actually do it for entertainment, you know, some of it's hilarious because. Oh, yeah. Either Friday or over the weekend, there was a news article. The CEO of Bud Light is stepping down because of, you know, their decision. And that was all well, fake. Yeah, it was fake because the the VP or I forget who it was, came out and said, no, we did yep, it on we, purpose and we're going after a new market. Yep. That's their claim. They did it on purpose. They know what they're doing and they're going after a new market. Fine. I guess you don't realize you're going to lose another big one, but we'll wait and see what happens. Uh, Speaking of funny, um, I I, I keep talking about Elon Musk. It's hard not to, especially when you're on Twitter as much as I am anymore. Um, Elon Musk, obviously the guy's extremely intelligent. I mean, just look at what he's accomplished. It's incredible. But he has the sense of humor of a 12-year-old boy. Did you hear what he, the latest stunt he pulled? No. On the side of the building in San Francisco, where, where they've got a big Twitter sign, he covered up the W. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, that's... And then the article actually claims whoever wrote the article, and I don't know if this is true or not, but they claim that Elon Musk's favorite word is tits. I I don't know. I've never heard that before. But now the, the side of the building says titter. And then the landlord actually complained and said, no, it's in your contract. You have to have the name on the side of the building. So he put the W back in. I don't even know what they call this. Like, it's like a faded letter. So it's there, but you can barely see it. All the other yeah. letters are bright white, and this is like yeah. ghosted or grayed out. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what Elon Musk is busy doing. Well, there's, I completely believe, you know, about his train of thought and funny words and childish sense of humor. <laughs> I know. You know, you know all the models of Teslas? No. Not even close. I don't so think. Started with the S. Right. And then it was an X and then a Y. And he never got the E approved. <laughs> it was supposed to spell oh, sexy. I, there but is a model. Ford e, fought the E model. Well, maybe there is now, but I Ford think the e model fought is it because they have the E. Yep. That's what, yeah, that's what it's supposed to be, the economy. Yeah, I but think the Ford economy line vans they fought an e-model in a different brand because they already had it okay now i'm pretty sure there's a model they call it model e not e-model but i'm pretty sure there's a model e i think that's the cheap one like 39 or forty thousand dollars or something um yeah he's got a he's got kind of a weird sense of humor All right, we are going right, well, to move I got to work on the truck today, so. Well, there you go. Let us know how it goes. We're going to head off to Texas this time. Dwight, welcome to the program. Hey, hey um, I gave you something to look up real quick before we get to my question. Uh, just uh, east of 
Redmond, Oregon is the little town, was the little town of Prineville. When I was flatbedding, I took steel up there. Facebook has a humongous data center up there. They have 10 humongous warehouses, multi-story. Each one of them's got about 18 humongous, because uh, you're talking about heat, uh, uh, AC units, because there's nothing in there but computers for the most part. And they have 10 of those facilities right now, and we're going to build a lot more in the little bitty town of Prineville. So that talk about adding heat and electricity. So, yeah, check that out. Since you're in Oregon, you want to find out what makes noise. Well, that's so, a I I may run over to Prineville. The problem is that this particular, there's lots of server farms everywhere. We have tons of them out here. Amazon has them, Google has them, uh, and they do tend to be out in more rural areas because of this. They need lots of space. They need lots of electricity at, at low prices. So they tend to be out in rural areas, and I'm okay with that. I mean, I can't complain about server farms because we lease space on server farms. That's how we run our operation. And we lease space on multiple server farms, so we have redundant backups. And they're in different parts of the world, even. So if if there's, you know, huge problems in one part of the world, we still have a backup server somewhere else. So I can't complain about these places. Right. We need them to run our business. But doesn't mean every place they want to put one is a good idea. This is a new model of a smaller, much, much smaller server farm than what they've been building recently. And they say the smaller footprint helps get rid of a lot of the problems. I just want to make sure that's true before we let this thing come into town. Well, something else that just bugs me is, they always want to go to the most beautiful, pristine places. And I love Bend, Oregon, so people that don't know, that's not far from, you know, it's not, you know, 20 miles from Bend, Oregon, which is used to be where I wanted to live and retire. Yeah, and uh, it was beautiful. Back, yeah, well, uh, back in mid-90s uh, mid is, is when I, well, I actually lived in Oregon. I lived in Beaverton for a short while. And business didn't work out, so uh, I left. But now the plans were to get the businesses up and going and be like everybody else, have a place in, in Bend. And so I love that area. And when I went out there, because you, you won't believe, if you hadn't been to Pine in Prineville in a while, you'll be, oh, oh less slob. You want to see a Another big facility that'll blow you away. You know how big they are, the tire people. Yeah. Ah, they've got thousands and thousands of of uh, containers themselves. But it just blew me away that Facebook. And hey, you know, yeah, they're kind of out, but they're kind of out in a really nice area, even though it's high desert. But you know, well, anyway, that um, you have to have server farms. I mean, that's not going away. That our, our world runs on computers. These things are not going away. We need to find good solutions they, so that they're not disruptive. And, you know, we live in a beautiful place and our primary, 
revenue here comes from tourism. People want to come here and spend time. It's a beautiful place. I, if they can make this thing work and it's not a big problem with noise and too much hot water, I'm okay with it. But you got to prove that to me first. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, um, uh, you had the other caller and y'all were talking about money and Landstar. Um, I'm real new with Landstar. And I know I should have been, should have been putting money back into the maintenance fund and things like that, and and I haven't. But and then you uh, talked about, you know, they they give you a percentage on that, and they they didn't really go over that super well. There's a lot of things they didn't go over super well, and I love Landstar. I mean, don't get me wrong. But they're like anybody. They got to get you in and get you out. But um, especially, and I took class during COVID, so they were really rushed. And um, yeah, trying to trying to understand your instructor when they're wearing a mask. Oh yeah, that that was a challenge. Right. Uh, I would ask her to repeat something, and she'd get fighting, just fighting mad. I was I was the bad kid in the class, and she literally set me in the corner. Oh. Let me set you over here. I think you can hear better. Oh, yeah, boy. set me, set me. I bet I was a big classroom, and I bet I was forty feet away from everybody. I was sitting <laughs> in the corner because yeah. she said, "Oh, uh, I think there's a speaker over here. You can hear." Yeah, right. Anyway, which just made me come back more. And uh, but anyway, I love Landstar. I really do. Uh, I was a little distraught on that, but I, I need to, can, can you, you're a little more familiar with that. It, exactly. And he talked about taking your, I guess your advancements, fuel, fuel advancements and, uh, on the card, like I'll get cash at the pump. Should I not be doing that? You say you pay cash at the pump? No, that's fine. Nothing wrong. No, with no, that. no, 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 cash. At the I, I, I get cash. I get cash at the pump because you know, they give you your fuel surcharge and your right, it, your it, percentage up front. Not a matter of right or wrong. It's a matter of what what services or things are we willing to pay for? And are we aware that we're paying for them and how much they're costing us? That's really the message here. I can't get down into the details of what fee they charge on cash advance or for this. But what we're saying is don't be paying fees that you don't need to. Don't be taking cash advances on every load because there's a fee for every cash advance you take. You know, some people won't won't use an ATM or get a cash advance if there's a two or three dollar charge. Well, you're right. Most most uh, I don't know. Uh, most everything's a dollar. So, um, and I don't do it all the time. But I do. You know, you know, because on that card you get to you get to deposit it wherever you got two places to put your money in your on your fuel card which you know like when things were just blowing and going i kept probably a little bit more on there than i should uh instead of putting it in the bank but so i guess really on the maintenance deal or the escrow deal so i need, I need to do i'm not doing any 
Yeah. So I'm making a mistake there, right? Correct. Correct. You, you should go find out what incentives they pay to keep money in those accounts and then keep that money in those accounts. They, uh, I don't remember them mentioning any money. Um, and I just, if I thought I was getting something out of it, I would, I would do it. Uh, instead of saying, oh, well, I'll just, you know, I got my own savings account, but, um, so uh, nobody's really paying. Yeah. Just to give you an example, when I had my trucks at FedEx, I clearly had other savings accounts. I had other investment accounts, but I would always make sure there was a thousand dollars in each one of my truck maintenance accounts because they paid me $200 a quarter or 800. I think it was not a thousand. It was 800. Then they paid me $200 a quarter. I always made sure that money was in there. Right. Now I didn't. Well, I'm going to have to call and get. 800 was the maximum. If you put more in, they didn't pay any more. So all I kept in there was the 800. Well, you know, that, again, uh, you know, Landstar is great. They've got more, more options, more benefits, more technical things to use than 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 I can even oh yeah keep yeah. up with That's and it's good it's good I wish I could utilize more of it and um uh, and I'm gonna gonna have to because it's so uh, anyway I, my dedicated run is fixing to come up for bid and that's well we know we know that's not gonna be good yeah just to be competitive they're gonna have to immediately cut it in half so. I'm fixing to have to work twice as hard to get the same amount of money, and it's just what I've got to do. Got to do what you got to do. That's that's the world we're in right now. Yep, yep. I know, I know. Well, I just didn't know um, if there was something more since you were a little more familiar with the Landstar. I that I was missing that I really, yeah. Well, yeah. two things. One, we don't work directly with Landstar anymore. They canceled us. What a shame. Um, that sucks. I, I love Landstar. It's a great company. That's why we partnered with them for years. It's a shame somebody there was a little more woke than they needed to be. Uh, I still like the company. I still recommend them, still talk about them. But I, I don't work with them directly to have access to as many details as I used to. And most of the time, I wouldn't try anyway. These companies change stuff all the time. Uh, you should go find out what those programs are so you know what they are. Well, I will. I am. I've just been complacent, but um, so I'll, I'll get on the phone with them. And, there you go. And, uh, you know, they've been hit like everybody else. Oh, absolutely. Right, now, now, we'll see this about Landstar. We know this. Just like Joel was talking on Friday, Ploger runs the same type of operation. That Landstar is known for sticking with its contract rates when the spot market goes nuts. So when we talk about the tender rejection rate, which is what we're talking about right now, Landstar has a contract with somebody to, let's say, move freight for $2.10 a mile. 
and it's time to go pick up that load. And Landstar doesn't really want to send a truck to go pick up $2.10 a mile because they're doing $3 everywhere else. But you know what? Landstar, Landstar doesn't do that. They go cover the freight most of the time. They stick with their contract freight and keep their customers happy. So when the market turns and the spot market tanks, Landstar usually does better than everybody else. Now, I know a lot of Landstar contractors who were unhappy that they couldn't get those big rates they were seeing on load boards. And this is why. Because Landstar continues to service their contract freight. Well... I guess, uh, I don't know if I'm using the right word, but, um, you know, they uh, got this contract back. They wrote this contract during the during COVID when, you know, they couldn't get anybody to run. So, you know, this is, this is double, double the rate. And, uh, you know, it's almost double what everybody's getting right now. And, uh, you know, it's, it's almost $6 a mile. And it's coming up for, for bid, and you know, chances are this the customer's not going to pay that when everybody else is, you know, getting two fifty to maybe three. So uh, anyway, it's it's there's going to prob- probably be a change, and I hope they keep it. I like the load, and I like the, I really do like the broker a lot. I mean, I've dealt with lots of brokers, and and they're super good, and I'm hoping that. Keep it. I'll, I'll I'll pull it. Cut it in half. I'll still pull it. I'm gonna make money. There you go. Not stupid money, but I'm that's, gonna make money. That's that's all that we hope for during a time like this is we can make enough money to just ride it out and wait for the next wave to come again. Um, good stuff. Let's go to Nebraska. This is my last call on the board. So. We will wrap this up today when we run out of calls. You've still got time to jump in, 855-950-3835. Paul, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Uh, I got a new-to-me Volvo back in January, and it's an 860 with a 12.5 steer axle. And the drive-in loads I'm pulling are, I'm pretty much grossing right at 80, and I was just, I've been listening to you long enough to know I'm not stupid. I'm just ignorant on this. But how would I go about closing that gap more? You may not be able to. I mean, you've you've limited by your 12.5, even if we put tires on there. You can put a lot more weight on your steer axle as long as you have the equipment to do it. You've got to have the rated axle and the rated tires. Technically, we can go up to 20,000 pounds on a steer axle. But we have to have the equipment to be able to do it. And if you don't, there's not much we can do. It's not worth trying to reconfigure the front end with a heavier axle. Um, so the best you can do here is just start playing around with the, your your gap and the weight. But it, you, if we can't fix the weight here, the 860 is heavy. What's your tractor weigh? Uh, before I put my bumper guard on and any of the of my stuff in there full of fuel, I was 2650. Are you kidding me? No. Holy cow, that's a heavy truck. Yeah, you're you're not going to be able to close up that gap. That's what I figured. And 
I got room to play. I got my air dog ordered. I got my flow below ordered and my air chat ordered. Yeah. Um, I'm happy with what I'm doing already with it. Then, then keep, keep it up. I'm yeah, just trying to get more. Don't worry about that gap. <laughs> you, you would make yourself crazy trying to manage that gap with that kind of weight. Right. I'm just trying to do everything I can with the tractor because company trailers. I have no control. I, I just ordered in. They Excellent. should be coming. Good. Yeah, that'll help a little. I mean, we can help a little bit with that gap. Uh, your trailer or a company trailer? We pull company trailers. Okay. I have no control on them. Yeah, I was going to say we could put some aerodynamic devices like uh, the lead edge or something like that. But if it's not your trailer, hey, you know what? So you, there's still a lot of other things you can do about fuel economy in your particular operation. I just wouldn't waste much time on this one. Okay. I'm just, like you said earlier, we're doing what we can to get by. And right now, as I'm doing it, I'm still profiting a dollar a mile. Excellent. (laughs) As long as you can do that, you're going to be fine. Yeah. So that's that's the key here. Uh, It's good to ask about all these good things. It's good to look at these things. Where can we cut costs? Where can we make more money? Sometimes you just look at it and go, okay, that one's not going to be worth spending a lot of time or money on. And with that kind of a tractor weight, you're going to really, and a, and a not a heavy front axle, you're going to struggle trying to close up that gap. You may not be able to do it at all. All right, so uh, we've got a call being screened right now. Let me see if I have any other notes that I didn't get to. Nothing I can see. A lot of stuff going on. Obviously, a lot going on in the economy where we're keeping an eye on. That's my biggest concern right now. How far are rates going to drop? But then even more important than that, how long are they going to stay there? We are at a place right now where rates don't have to drop anymore at all. If these rates stay where they are for six months, we're going to lose a certain number of people. If they stay this way for a year, we're going to lose even more. If they stay this way for 18 months, it's going to be even worse. The numbers don't have to go any lower. All that matters now is if they don't get better, the longer this goes on, the more trucks we'll lose. And eventually, we'll lose enough trucks that the rates will start to uh, come to some sort of equilibrium again. The problem we're still facing is this threat of stagflation. Let's um, let's go to Arkansas. Brandy, welcome to the program. Thanks, Kevin. Uh, I've had this question for a while. I've tried two different people, and I'm not getting results. I thought I would get it on rolling tow, but I guess um, because Mike doesn't drive, he couldn't help me. But Kevin okay. tried. Maybe you would have better understanding. So when I'm driving, I know uh, some of the interstates are just really atrocious, uh, bridges and uh, overpasses and that kind of thing, let alone potholes. And I'll watch the vehicle ahead of me when they pass over it. Will the trailer swing left or right? Um, Sometimes I see that. And I know it happens because you'll see all kinds of pieces of broken pallets in the same vicinity. So you know that something's happening there. But, like, it seems like it happens to me all the time, but I'll look, you know, 53-foot vans and reefers, and I'll look behind me to see, is that going on with their truck? 
know, it's similar to a wiggle wagon, but uh, is it just bad roads or is it me? <laughs> or, or is it so the, I, where the fifth wheel position is? I have to say this. It are handling aspects about trucks that could make this worse. The um, When you were talking with Mike and Kevin, did they talk about camber or any of the other settings that might make this worse? The only thing that Kevin said that he, I guess, and that was what I was telling Angie, I don't know how to ask, you know, it's like sometimes like the answer is in the way you ask it, like a key. And if you don't ask it right, then you just end up confusing everybody. Right. And I don't know a lot about this issue because I hadn't heard about it, but I hear about it occasionally. You know, I've talked about it with Mike. I, I, I don't think it's a big issue. It's why I didn't do a lot of work on it, but I've heard him talk about it. If you get that front axle, and I believe it's the camber set wrong, it will hit the bumps really harsh. And he talked about how to adjust that. I, I don't know all the details, so I don't want to get too deep into that. That That's just one factor. Where your fifth wheel is sitting right. and where your tandems are can be another factor. But a lot of times we don't have control over that. We're, we're using those two adjustments for our weight sometimes. They can have a small impact. Yeah, Here, that's here's, exactly. Here's what I would say, yeah. and I'd love to get feedback from people. In all my years of driving, even with doubles and triples, I pulled triples on the Ohio Turnpike. I have never seen a bridge joint or a road so rough that it would cause me to crash. I I can't imagine. I've never seen one. I mean, I I really can't imagine saying I crashed because that road was too rough. I will tell you the one. Well, I can think of. Now, I will tell you one thing that will get people with doubles and triples every time. Not a rough road. Changing lanes too fast is usually what gets people with doubles. I've gone out and picked up doubles, the trailer, the back trailer flipped over and the front trailer and the tractor and the dolly were still going down the road. Well, it depends. Sometimes the dolly decides which one it's going to stick with, but I've seen people flip the back trailer only because of that whipping action, doubles and triples. You have to be careful of that, but I can't, think of a place where I've ever thought that road or that bridge seam was so rough it would cause me to crash. Have you been across 40 and Arizona yeah. and New Mexico? Absolutely. <laughs> many, many times. Okay. Really. For, I probably, in the last five years, 10 years, I've probably traveled 40 more than almost any other road in the country. I travel 40 a lot. Yeah. So yeah, Every in, time in the Southeast, it's a disaster. Um, I get it. I know there are really, really rough roads, but I'd like to hear from somebody else. I don't believe there's a road so rough anywhere that it would cause me to crash. Okay. Well, there's lots of potholes in Arizona, and every time I go through there going eastbound anyway, I always see at least one car or an RV pulled over with a flat tire. And then there's some, right around the Gallup area, there's some pretty intense... uh, Here's something else I'll tell you about that. Let's think about that for a second. Thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of cars go on that road. You see one with a flat tire or two or 10. It's still such a small number. One of two things happened. Either they got a flat tire for some other reason. They just picked up a nail or whatever. Or there are a lot of people that run tires that aren't serviceable anymore. I mean, I look around in parking lots. There are cars with horrible tires, trucks too, 
Those are the ones you see broke down on the side of the road. It's not the if it was that bad, everybody'd be on the side of the road with a flat tire. But they're not only a tiny little percentage. Yeah, it's, it's dodging them is what it is. You run on the shoulder, you run half in the, in the middle. Well, and that, and, uh, that kind of stuff whatever. will cause crashes, yes. You've got a set of doubles, and if you think yeah. you're going to swerve to miss stuff like that, you're you're setting yourself up for a problem. Hit the damn thing. Don't try to swerve around right. it. Yeah, yeah, I get it. It'd be well, nice I agree. If they, yeah. It would well, be been... nice if they would just fix the damn roads. I get it. I'm not... not Defending the roads, they're awful. They're horrible. Our system of repairing roads is when, when you went out to Louis, when you went out to Louisville, you had said the roads were atro- atrocious, and that's why I could figure I could find I, favor with you on this subject because I don't. Well, it's not whether you're going to find favor with me or not. You're just going to get my honest take on something, and my honest take is the roads. Right? Yeah. I, I busted yeah. stuff. I busted shock mounts. I busted a shock. I busted the main shaft in the shock, snapped it because the roads were so rough this last trip. I had to redo my whole front end. I, in, I had to fix the leveling valves. Yeah. I put in new shocks. So I'm not saying the roads aren't bad. They are. But what I'm saying yeah. is as bad as they are, I have never found a stretch of road that I was worried was going to cause me to crash. Yeah. Which was your okay. original question. Um, would it cause you to crash? So yeah, I well, saying. I just wanted to... Uh, if you I wanted ask to know, me, do I think I the roads suck? It. Yes, I think the roads suck, and it, it sucks that we spend all this money as an industry, and we have to deal with horrible roads. Yeah. I just didn't know how to ask it. Uh, and then, uh, then did you try the carnivore snacks yet? I don't... I haven't got them. If they're here, sometimes sometimes things sit at the warehouse, and if I don't get down there, I don't always get them. Sometimes things sit at the post office, or they're at the post office, and then they get picked up and they go to the warehouse. So I just have to go find them. I okay, all right. Well, I was thinking they might make a good uh, prep kind of meal, but they're stamped on them though, and they're just absolutely delicious. And I just oh, just want to hear your feedback. Yep, as soon as I taste them, you'll know. Okay, I'll listen then. All right. That's all. Thanks for the call. Looks like that's going to do it today. I think we're going to wrap this up. Uh, Good calls. We will be back tomorrow for the Power Hour Destination Health on Wednesday. I have a guest. It's the founder and CEO of Sauna Space. So we will be talking about infrared infrared lights, infrared saunas, all that kind of stuff on Wednesday. Thursday, we'll have rolling toe. Friday will be the usual. I'll let you know who's going to be joining us. We will see you back here tomorrow. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.